This is Jimmy Jernigan, and you're listening to Daily Dose of Wood Podcast. What's going on, my man? Let's welcome on to the podcast, NBA life coach and optimization coach, worldwide motivational speaker, former professional basketball player and coach for the Brooklyn Nets. It's David Nurse. David, what's going on, my man? Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to this conversation, man. Yes, sir. This has been a very highly anticipated podcast episode. It's going to be a great one. Nephew of Nick Nurse, so basketball obviously runs in the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I attribute a lot of my knowledge to him, and I think he's, I mean, he's a really good coach. I think I'm a little better looking, but he's done, <laughs> he's done a good job. In the NBA. <laughs> I was looking on doing my research on YouTube, and do you still hold the world record for threes in five minutes? Because that was fucking impressive. <laughs> Man, as far as I know, to be honest with you, I haven't seen anybody break it yet. I don't know if anybody's really attempting to go for five minutes, because I'll tell you what, after about three minutes, it felt like 30 minutes long. That was but, impressive. But, what was know, that, like 89 out of 90 or? Something like, so, something like that. Some, one of those ones where you just kind of you just kind of black out and you're in the zone. You don't even really know what's going on, but it's just right. that muscle memory repetition time after time. Right. So before optimization coach, it was basketball player and then, you know, shooting fundamental coach. Let's start with the basketball player. You were in the pros here in the NBA, and you were playing overseas when your career ended. If I read up right, that you came back and you were kind of in a position where you didn't know where you were going with. Let's go from there. Walk me and our listeners through, you know, coming back to the States and where your life was at in your head. Sure, man. So I I love that. I wish I played in the NBA. I played in the NBA G League, which is like, it'd be like the minor league system for the NBA. Still the NBA. Yeah, well, yeah, man, I'll take that. It's got NBA in front of him. We'll take that. So I was playing, yeah, overseas in Europe, and it sounds cool like that. Like, okay, sure, playing professionally, it's, it's great, but that was it was more of like a Will Ferrell semi-pro type of league, second division in Spain. So I, I got cut from that team, actually, this team in the Basque region of Spain. And everything that I poured into my life was playing in the NBA. Now, I was so far from that. And I was feeling bad for myself. I was living on my parents' recliner chair in Kansas City for about five or six months, just licking my wounds, thinking like, man, I just put my whole life into playing in the NBA. And not only am I not even close to it, I got cut from this joke of a team. So I'm obviously in a pretty, pretty down spot right there, feeling really, really stuck. And my mom would always say these motivational and inspirational quotes. I usually were just like, whatever, mom, you know, in one ear, out the other ear or whatever. But she said this one when she was doing dishes. I remember very vividly. She said, David, when one door closes, four open in an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. I was like, whoa, wow. I thought it was one door and one door. But what, what she was saying is when a door closes, that just means there's an opportunity that so much more greater stuff is to come. But you have to see that. You have to realize that. So that, that's, what, that's what triggered in me. Everything that I poured into playing in the NBA, all this extra two-a-days, film study, optimization type of stuff for myself was actually to teach others, to coach others who had the more God-given abilities and the height of athleticism to play in the NBA. So it wasn't all for lost. It was actually to lead me to something even greater. 
Right. And to get to that greater step or that greater position that you are now in your life or working towards to get, you were sleeping in your car, you were traveling across the country. And I, I love this story because it inspires me, it motivates me. And I'm not say in a, you know, this position that you were in, but I'm in a similar position where, well, how old were you when you got caught and came back here to restart before I go on a I little? Was, I was 24. Okay. So I'm and, right around the same yep. age, 23. And you're starting over, right? So I'm in this position where a little bit about me briefly, my position, 23, I'm working a nine to five, but I've been hustling hard on this podcast thing, grinding out. This is what I want to do eventually, you know, take this to a different level, get into the YouTube, the vlogging, that's going to take traveling and whatnot. And, you know, I've already taken it pretty far in six months, getting guests like yourself, which is a huge accomplishment in my eyes to myself, you know, taking it this far already, getting names like you, other big names. When should I know or when should I come to the realization that, you know, the nine to five, I got to dump that and, you know, really chase this dream, how you kind of went cross country, got all, got in your car, gave it all you got. And it's like, all right, here we go. Man, I respect that a lot. I have, like, that's awesome that you're this young and you are making that, that mission. And what I would tell you is just keep doing it. Man, the more you, you do it, the more you do it, it eventually happens. And that's what people don't want to, they don't want to do. You want a quick fix. You want right. this, this, this hack to get to the top or something. But the, the point is, like, if, if you get there quick, like, if you get to something very, like, you hit this insta-fame right away, you haven't built the foundation to fall back on. So when tough times come, like the storms of life come, you're going to crash. And that's why a lot of people burn out that. So I would say just keep building your foundation, man. Keep reaching out. Keep having these type of conversations. Keep sharpening your craft. Be that person who absolutely gives and gives and gives more, more than you should. But be that person that really stands out to these people, like, like the, the, these big guests that you're having on. And they'll remember that. And you'll just be in that network. You'll be around these type of people that you want to be like. So to say there's a certain time that, hey, this is when you should do it, there's not. It might come in two years. It might come in 10 years. Right. One of my favorite quotes is it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. For me, it took, it was, it was six years of living out of my car, driving around the country, all over the place. I didn't think like, Hey, I don't like doing this because I love doing it. I, I loved that type of grind, that basketball grind. And I, I, I got an email from the Brooklyn Nets when I was in Australia running a camp, asked me if I wanted to be the shooting coach. And it was just like that. But it's because I never gave up. It's because I just kept doing and doing and doing, taking these 1% steps daily. So for you, uh, you said you're 23? Yes, sir. That's amazing. You're way ahead of the game. Like you, you're, you're way, think about where you'd be in 10 years. People really, they don't, they don't, they put too much emphasis on what they can do in two years, but not enough in 10 years. Right. In 10 years, like you could have one of the biggest podcasts there is only if you don't, if you don't give up and when to pivot your nine to five that you're doing right now. I mean, that's just whenever you're making the income that you can live the lifestyle that you want to just if solely your podcast is what you're driving that income from, that's when you do it. But as long as you can, man, in your twenties, I tell everybody just grind it. Like literally just, just, just don't even worry about making money, but just be just pouring into your passion. Cause that's when, when you're 30, that's when the money starts coming in, but you, it'll never come in unless you put in that time, that work, that relentless consistency day after day when you're young, like yourself. Love that. I mean, <laughs> getting advice from you is, you know, a greater gift than any other advice I could possibly ask for. So Thank you for giving me that, that advice. 
You use the word pivot. You got your book, Pivot and Go. Let's jump into that a little bit. Haven't gotten to reading that yet. I'm on David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me Right Now. And that's the next book for me and my producer here. We're hopping on the Pivot and Go. You like to use the word pivot a lot. Why why do you use it so much? And why did you choose to name the book Pivot and Go? Yeah, so I chose it because it is a basketball term. And what it means is when you're you're stuck, you got the defenders all over you, you can't see any clear path, you can't see the hoop, and you make this slight turn. It's just this slight pivot, slight turn of adjustment, and everything opens up. The court opens up, the hoop opens up, everything. And it's it's the same thing in life. We all go through these times that we feel stuck. For myself, like after I was done playing or even after that, I mean, there's many, many times I felt stuck. And right now we all feel stuck to some extent in this, mm-hmm. this COVID time, this crazy time. We don't know when it's going to end. We, the, the uncertainty is just all over the place. So we feel this stuckness and a pivot is just a small turn in perspective. It's not a big daunting change. Change like that is, is, is very difficult for people to grasp, but these small, just little mindset pivots, what I call them, these small turns in perspective can literally, if you stack those 1%, 1% day after day after day, that's what over time will change the entire trajectory of your outlook on life, your perspective on life, and your overall true, like true joy, your true success, your true self-awareness, confidence in your entire life. Right, and now you've worked into this position where you're an optimization coach for the NBA. Is there anyone else who has that title? And I know you talk about creating your own titles and making your own titles. But have you paved the way for, you know, people say to come behind you to be optimization coaches? You know what? That's a really good question. I don't think anybody else has that title. I self gave that my title, but I'm on a mission to pave that way. There's a there's been people that have paved the way in like player development in the NBA or a shooting coach. And I, I'm on the mission to pave the way for there to be five, ten years. There every team has an optimization coach, has a mindset coach. So yeah, I think, I mean, I love it right now because as far as I know, I'm the only one with it. But, hey, that's the power in giving yourself your own title, you know? Love that. What adversity do you see players facing now going into an unusual COVID upcoming season? We were talking on the email before, and, you know, you're very busy right now working with players, getting them ready. What do you see as the biggest challenge? You know what? The biggest challenge is, I mean, they're excited about going back into not going into the bubble, but actually into live arenas. So the biggest challenge is still the same as it's always been, really. And for these guys, they're performing at such a high level on a nightly basis. And it's such a cutthroat environment with so much money on the line that they have to be so ready to perform. And when they don't perform, that's where it really affects them. So the biggest issue for NBA players, athletes, all of us really is, is ourselves. It's the self-doubt. No matter how good the defender on the court might be, it's always the self-doubt that creeps in. So a lot of what I've been doing with players is, yes, on-court development, but also is how do you get an unshakable mindset? How can you step on the floor and when a storm comes in the game, how do you just how, – how do you fight through that? How do you not break? How do you – like the palm tree, you just bend, but you never break. Like how do you get to that, that mode? Because that is at the, at the core for all of us is one of the biggest challenges and difficulties that we face. And for these NBA guys going back into the season – it's 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 like it is every year bubble or not it's their their self-confidence can they have is it if they have three bad games in a row how are they going to react how are they going to bounce back how are they going to feel can you be at that even even keel that level state that unshakable unshakable unbreakable type of mindset right and you know the greats like kobe and mj you could really set them apart 
and tell that, you know, even when they were at their lowest or didn't have a good game or had a mistake, their confidence was still there the next game. There was no doubt that they weren't going to go out there and look to destroy the team, and they were still going to give them the same fire. And some of the guys who aren't in that position as great, you know, could get down on themselves, get hard on themselves, let the fans get in. What do you, I'm sure a free throw, free throw line is, you know, a big confidence thing. How do you get guys confident? Man, it's just through preparation. I'd say it's honestly, it's it's detaching yourself from the results and focusing solely on the process and then trusting in the confidence of the preparation that you put in. That is the core of the formula. And that's what you said, like Kobe and Jordan, they never worried about what anybody was going to do to them. They, they literally visualized the game happening before it actually happened. So they saw themselves going through every single motion in the game. So when something happened difficult in the game, they knew they could always already get through it. And then it's, it's focusing on the process. Do you do the same routine? Do you do the same thing? Do you take your best shots? Do you do this time and time again, not worrying if it goes in or out, but understanding that through all this preparation, all this hard work and time that you've put in, you can trust in that, that it will absolutely go in when the time counts because you have put so much into it. So it's preparation plus focusing on the process. You're in the moment, but you're looking at the things that you did to bring you to that moment. And now you, you got to act on it and carry out. What are some things that you wish you could have carried out on in your younger age that you look back now and you say, I mean, everyone says it, does it. You know, I wish I would have done that or I wish I would have known this. If you could tell yourself one thing at a younger age, what would it be? Man, for me, it was literally what I teach guys now. Like, it's just... Just don't take yourself so seriously. Have fun with it. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. It's going to work out. It's going to be okay. You're putting in the work. This that, That'll drive to you. For me, like, I, I I rose and fall as as my performance was on the court. So if I had a bad game, I was way down. I felt like, and I just analyzed, self-analyzed everything. So if I could tell my younger self, just, hey, slow down. I mean, yes, stay on the mission that you're on, taking these daily steps towards getting there, but just enjoy, like literally, like enjoy the pro- like celebrate any little wins that you have through the day. And if you if any type of difficult situation happens, you have a horrible game. See that as a game. See that as a way that you can not just learn how to grow, but that 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 is the way you grow through going through these types of fire, intense fire situations. So, yeah, that's what I tell myself at your age. That right. I wish I knew then. It's it's. And it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but it's a lot harder to actually do it. So I ch- challenge all the listeners out there, no matter wh- what age you are, if you're struggling with this, I mean, just instead of just listening to all these podcasts and taking in all this, what I heard a friend of mine, Steve Weatherford said, infobesity is what we have actually do go out and apply, take these things that you learn, these things that you know, and actually turn into actions and doing them. Sure. And your failures build up and they eventually become your successes. You got to fail to learn. You got to learn new things. When you're, I mean, you're always an uppity guy, positive, motivational, never seem like you have a bad day, but I'm sure you have your bad days here and there. And it's easy to dwell on your bad days. What do you tell yourself when you see yourself going down into a bad day? You know, I got to turn this around. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. And I have an environment set up where, if I have a bad day, like I know I can, I know I can snap out of, it. I have an amazing wife who is super supportive, encouraging. She is my rock. So I know that she's always there for me and she'll get me through any type of downtime, but 
also, man, first and foremost, I have Jesus Christ. Like Jesus is the reason that I do everything that I do. He is my ultimate joy, knowing that I don't have to go through this life with any pressure to perform, to any worry about what anybody else says, any type of title that I have or success that the world says. I know I have my true joy in Jesus. And I didn't always have that. So being able to make that type of pivot wasn't like, literally, that's why I have this type of energy that I have, this type of joy is because one, I have Jesus, I have my wife, and I also set up myself with people around me in my environment. Like I don't, I don't associate with negative people. People are complaining. Right. Like I don't have time for that. There's not enough uh. time in the day and I don't want to waste it with people that are just trying to bring me down. So I have people that are really driven, high performing, positive people in my life because it's literally like, I'll just tell them, Hey, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to go do all these talks and stuff. Like, yeah, go do it. All right, do it. Very, very supportive, encouraging people. Yes. Truth tellers, not just yes, men, but positive surrounding yourself, your environment with positive people. hundred percent. I mean, couldn't agree more. And one of the things that you talk about, or I've heard you say is, you know, every day we're, we're working towards our end goal, whether we see it or not, it may not seem like it, but we're, we're eventually setting ourselves up for our end goal. And when I'm down, sometimes at my lowest, I'll think about that because I'm like, you know what, today wasn't the best day, but happened for a reason. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Absolutely, man. I think God has a plan for all of us. It's, we get there in different ways. I wouldn't say that there's an actual end goal to anything. I think we're here to, to spread the word that, that Jesus came down to spread. So yeah, I mean, if, if you're here and you're walking around this planet and you see these, these, these amazing sunsets or the beach or like just seeing, listening to your heartbeat, like if, if you think that this place just happened without an, an ultimate creator, like you, you might have to stop and pause for a second because yeah. there is no way, no way. And I challenge people out there too. If you, you should listen to, like, if you want to know this, watch or listen to or read the case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It is okay. like, it is the, the, the guy who doubted this the most, like smartest guy went and researched it all and was like, no, there's, there's no other way. So yeah, to answer your question, I think everything does happen for a reason because I think God has a plan for it. Yeah, I'm a big believer and follower or more of Jesus Christ after my college awesome. days. I got a little caught up in the college, but, you know, coming back home to a family setting, hop back more into it. What do you think are the most important qualifications or requirements for long-term success? Uh, for qualifications, I don't think there's it's your definition of what success is, to be honest. Like, it's it's what what gives you ultimate true joy? Not what gives you just fleeting happiness and not, there's no financial number that's going to be success. There's no amount of likes on Instagram that'll be success, but you have to figure out what success means to you. Does that mean you have a loving family with amazing kids and amazing spouse? Does that mean you get to do the job that you love? Like, what does that, like that at the core is what you have to figure out. Cause I think these terms like success, I think failure, rich life, like all these terms are just self-made by the world to make us think something to make it, and it eats at ourselves. Cause we think we have to hit this certain type of picture, which we don't, these are just words. We can pivot these words to mean exactly right. what we want them to mean. Wow. That's, that's great. I love that brother. That is your podcast with Ed Milet was unbelievable. How is that experience? Were you uh, caught off guard a little bit when he first called you to hop on there? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I never, I think everybody is just a person. Everybody in Ed's, Ed struggles from the same things. Everybody else struggles from Ed is an amazing human being. And he's just, he's worked his butt off to get where he is. And he's, we've become very close friends, but, but to me, anybody that I meet or anything is everybody is just 
a human being. We're all people. We all just want to be appreciated. We want to be feel feel the joy. We want to feel encouragement, and it is an absolute light of that for sure. Did you always have the you know courage to do public speaking? Were you always a good public speaker, or is this something that you've grown with time? You know what? I get nervous every time I do it. I mean, if I was going to say I just am not nervous, but I use those nerves to drive me even more. Whenever I step on stage and say, hey, nerves, bring it on. This is going to fuel me even more so. So I always had some, I, I mean, to be honest, I always had the courage after I started living for Jesus because I didn't care. Like, it doesn't matter if I fall flat on my face because what's that matter what other people think? It, it truly doesn't. So people that have courage, real true courage, is not getting caught up in what others think. It's what, and it's not about worrying about yourself either. Because once you detach yourself from just worrying about your own results and you worry about more of how you can serve others, how you can pour into others, like that courage comes because you don't, it, you don't care what, like what people are saying about you or what society is putting you on a pedestal for. You're there solely to serve. And that's the most empowering thing that people can, can, can make that switch in their life. Love that. That is great. I mean, I need, I'm going to have to listen back to this a couple of times for it to really <laughs> sink in. Wrapping up here, what are your expectations going into the 2020-2021 NBA season? Ooh, man, that's a good question. Um, who's going to win it or what am I expecting overall? Just how it, how how is it going to uh, play out? Are they going to be back in the bubble, you think? Or are they going to be able to play in their arenas? <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to say, yeah, I think they'll be able to play in their arenas. I think they'll have a certain amount of allocated arenas that teams can travel to. So some teams, depending on what state you're in and regulations, might not even be able to play in the arena, but they'll definitely be playing in arenas. Eventually, more fans will come back. They'll probably start off with about 25%, but eventually, like this world will get back. As much as people think this is the new normal, which is a term that I hate, this world will get worst. back. We need personal interaction. It's it, it definite. So. Yeah, as far as who wins it, though, mm, that's a guy. I got a lot of friends, uh, relatives, uh, people in the NBA. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. As one, as long as one of my friends wins an NBA championship, it's all that matters. I'm sure that's happening because I'm sure you. I know you've worked with a ton of people so far in the NBA and got uncles coaching, winning championships. So that's something that you should be able to cross off by the end of the year. But. There you go. Hey, man, I really appreciate you hopping on. I hope cross paths in the future one day, and I hope uh, coming up through the ranks, you'll uh, eventually hear me on a on a broader scale one day in the podcast world and eventually, you know, something bigger. Yeah, man, I appreciate I appreciate you. Love your drive. Love the, the mission that you're on, and I would just say just keep doing it, man. If you're enjoying doing these podcasts, like me, myself doing my podcast, I've met some of my best friends through the relationships that I've built off the podcast, so – just keep doing it, man. Keep doing it the best of your ability, and it will absolutely work out. On a timing better than you can even imagine, man. Right, the best. man. I appreciate you. Stay safe. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Daily Dose of Wood podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you could take something from that. Go get David Nurse's book, Pivot and Go, out everywhere now. I'm going to get it. I'm going to read it. I'm definitely going to be talking about it. Check him out on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, it's your boy, Jimmy Jernigan.